Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto, Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Hello everyone in the franchise world, my name is Paul Segreto and this is Franchise Today. My co-host Stan Friedman is joining us live from Buckhead, Georgia, where (laughs) I imagine the temperature and the weather is very much like this humid swamp we call Houston, Texas. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Paul, it's all yours. Atlanta's still doing okay. You know, we were in the 70s yeah. last night. It's been, been beautiful. Well, it hasn't been. Uh, I know between San Antonio and Houston, we have been getting, you know, pummeled with thunderstorms. Uh, two nights ago, there was some 17 uh, houses hit within a, a very small area here uh, by lightning and, and caused fires and listen to the fire trucks all night, and, uh, of course, my heart goes out to them. Um, a lot of people displaced. Uh, this is springtime across uh, across the uh, the south and the southeast. You know, you, we've, we've talked about more than once about maybe bringing on some additional sponsors to to host or to sponsor Franchise Today, and I'm wondering, Paul, would it make sense for us to talk to the Weather Channel? They are here in Atlanta, and we do our forecast every week. <laughs> whether you yeah. will or whether you won't buy a franchise, Franchise Today will be on the air. <laughs> yeah, that's some that's some good stuff. And and today we've got you know we've got a great guest. I thought you were going to go down the road of of sandwiches because we've had some great sandwich kings on. Uh, as of late, of course, we've had uh, the boys from Jersey Mike's on several times. We had Jimmy John on uh, a few – well, I guess it's got to be about a month and a half ago already. And today we have uh, Ashley Morris, the CEO of Capriotis, which I'm, I'm anxious to talk about today. But before we do, Stan, give us a little bit of insight into the franchising front of the house. Well, Paul, a couple of things that caught my eye this week that I wanted to – Shout out. Um, one is our good friend, uh, Gordon Logan, at Sports Clips. And for those who know Gordon, you're going to get the pun when I say hats off to you, Gordon. Uh, for your $25,000 donation from Sports Clips to something called the Gratitude Initiative. And what a timely piece of news this is as we come off of Memorial Day. Um, I'm reading from a dateline in Bryan, Texas, May 24th. Gratitude Initiatives is a nonprofit that provides essential education programs and college scholarships to the children of our active duty military, veterans, disabled vets, and those killed in defense of our country. And Sports Clips has stroked a check for $25,000 to help provide college prep tutoring programs to kids whose parents paid the ultimate sacrifice for our nation. And, of course, anyone who knows Gordon knows that Sports Clips is no stranger when it comes to supporting military organizations and their families. Prior to founding Sports Clips, Gordon served 
as an aircraft commander in the U.S. Air Force. So his donation to Gratitude Initiative holds special meaning to him personally. And Sports Clips, of course, is focused on providing haircuts with hearts, one of the many key ways that they meet the objective of ongoing support to the nation's military. Couldn't be more proud, especially at this time of year, to um, to share that with our audience. And hats off again to our good friend, Gordon Logan. Another piece of news that caught my eye, Paul, was we've got a couple of good friends, you and I, and Steve Greenbaum and Brian Spindell. And it is now, of course, out in the public domain that um, – you know, Steve and Brian have sold PostNet, the franchise system, which was co-founded by them in 1992, now has 660 franchise locations in nine countries, has been sold to MBE Worldwide, which operates mailboxes, etc., and will be um, bringing the PostNet brand into the family, but will continue to operate it as separate entities. And the, the news in here that I really want to say congrats to is Brian Spindell. While Steve will remain an advisor to the organization, Brian, who's been in that second chair for all these 20-some-odd years, will now move into the big boy chair, and he'll become the, uh, he'll become the chief operating officer. So hats off and congratulations um, to Brian Spindell and to Steve for building PostNet out to 600-plus locations in nine countries since 1992. And, uh, of course, this will mean a whole new chapter in life for Brian Spindell as he takes the helm and moves this new entity to the next benchmark in their future. So kudos to both those guys. I couldn't be happier for both of them. Absolutely. Good friends of both of ours. Um, I'm just, you know, curious, uh, with all the different people in franchising that are making investments, in um, in some new brands, kind of like we're going to discuss with uh, Ashley Morris today, as they've had some recent investors come into the fold uh, that are some of our friends in, in franchising. Uh, I noticed that Steve uh, had indicated that he's going to be looking for some investment opportunities and some do some advisory work, and uh, I'm looking forward to that and saw some great pictures of Steve and his wife, Sonia, and Doc Cohen spending some time in the, uh, the wine country, Napa Valley, uh, oh. this past week. So, There's a surprising uh, I mean, bit no of news. <laughs> yeah, it's a surprising <laughs> bit of news. I mean, all the great labels of wine, but you know that the conversation had a turn towards uh, what he's going to be doing in the future and with Doc involved uh, with several brands and stuff. It, it, it's going to be an interesting time. I also wanted to give a shout-out uh, myself. I noticed in um, – one of the magazines, uh, and of course, is public knowledge right now, and we might have already mentioned it on the show, but Franchise Times really gave a nice shout-out to Ron Feldman uh, in his new position uh, at Apple Pie Finance. I, I, it really is going to be great for that organization. Actually, it's Apple Pie Capital. And um, Ron is really looking to do some some great things. And I love the quote he has. He said, we, we'll be able to do a $5,000 POS upgrade all the way up to a $20 million conventional loan. And that's uh, the Ron that we know and love. You bet. He's always looking at opportunities between 5000 and $20 million. Talk about narrowing a gap, huh? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. all of these – all of these capital investors that are looking to 
to uh, help fund uh, with private equity. Next two weeks is the upcoming International Franchise Expo, where a great many of those emerging brands will be displaying for the first time and exhibiting for the first time, along with those that have been around for a little bit longer at the Javits Center, June 15th through 17th in New York. While there will be many people walking the aisles looking at individual opportunities to invest in as first-time uh, franchisees, I'll bet that the guys like Doc Cohns and Steve Greenbaums of the world will be walking those same aisles looking at emerging brands that they may want to consider making an investment in as well. So there will be a lot going on in that Javits Center in a multitude of different dimensions, don't you think, Paul? Let's see. AIFE, I think I've heard something about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll be there. We'll be in booth number 315, a 20 by 20 booth with uh, one of our stalwart brands, uh, Over the Top Cake Supplies, really making its initial uh, launch into the uh, the national uh, scene. The activity has been great. So we'll be there, me, Kevin Johnson, uh, the CEO uh, and founder of Over the Top Cake Supplies, a former guest on the show. Uh, previous guest on the show, as well as the entire Franchise Foundry team. So we're looking forward to uh, to seeing people there in New York, and certainly with Doc and uh, and Steve, I'm sure, will be there as well. Any last things on op- on front of the house? Now, just a reminder again that the Franchise Capital Exchange is coming up in August, August 22nd through 24th, any franchisors that as we're talking about private equity here is any franchisors that are thinking about expanding their brands and growing it with the infusion of capital um, might want to take a look at the franchise capital exchange as an opportunity to get in front of some of those investors and learn how to best uh, package and present your pitch to private equity portfolio companies. You can learn more about it at franchisecapitalexchange.com. And by tuning in, Paul, I believe it's the second week in July that we've got Marianne O'Connell uh, coming on to join yep. us and, and talk more specifically about the capital exchange. So just a couple of looks ahead to what's upcoming in the in the future. And with that, I'll leave it with you for now to talk about what's upcoming in the next few minutes. Sounds great. And uh, today's um, show is aptly titled Living Up to the Brand Promise for over 40 years. And our guest, Ashley Morris, the CEO of Capriati's, has been quoted as saying, having been on both sides, I know how important it is to have a franchisor that is committed to the success of its lifeblood, <coughs> the franchisees. At Capriati's, we understand that our success is entirely dependent on your success. And that, of course, was Ashley's quote as it relates to franchisees and franchise candidates. Ashley, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we are excited to have you here today. Um, I I just love the entire story of of how you and your your partner got involved in, in Capriati's. So what I'd like to do first is take us way back. I mean, you're of the, uh, what, the ripe age of 37 now? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Stan, you remember those days, right? I can't remember those days, Paul. I can <laughs> remember almost that far back, but too far in the distance for me. <laughs> anyway, Ashley, what I'd like you to do is kind of take us back to um, 
way before franchising, anything franchising was even a glimmer in your eye. And and tell us about you, the person, and then uh, lead us up to um, that fateful day when you uh, sunk your teeth into a Capriati sandwich. (laughs) You got it. You got it. So, you know, I've always been a pretty entrepreneurial person. Uh, I remember my dad and, and mom telling me stories about the time when I was, you know, in third grade and I had started a friendship uh, bracelet business that ultimately got shut down. Uh, and, you know, going through junior high, I had a baseball card trading business that I kind of started in the uh, in the uh, cafeteria of my seventh and eighth grade uh, school. And so, you know, from the time I was a little kid, I had always, you know, I always just kind of thought about business uh, intuitively. And uh, And when I was about 13 years old, my grandfather kind of took me aside and he said, look, you've, you've got to get into, you've got to get into selling something uh, if you're, if you're really going to, you know, get ahead in life. And so he convinced me that pharmaceutical sales or, or stocks and bonds were the way to go. And as I, you know, became a young man at, you know, 17, 18 years old, I started to research the pharmaceutical side and quickly realized I couldn't pronounce any of those names of any of those drugs I'd be selling. And, uh, you know, it just kind of made my head spin, you know, thinking about those kinds of things. And so my interest, uh, shifted over to uh, equities and, and portfolio management and stocks, bonds, mutual funds, things of that sort. And I took a real good liking to it. And so at a time uh, that I entered college, I had left all my kind of, you know, just entry-level fast food jobs and, and, you know, restaurant jobs, which I had been kind of going through since the time I was 15, 16 years old. And I went into banking and I got a job at Wells Fargo. And got a job as a bank teller with the understanding that as I graduated, I would, you know, put myself in the best position to uh, be in uh, finance and to be in, in, you know, financial services specifically. And so that was, you know, what I thought I was going to be when I grew up and what I would do long term. And and that was kind of my life plan. And and I was really happy at 18 to kind of have that plan and to start executing on it. And so, uh, you know, I, I went to school out here in Las Vegas. I went to UNLV. And my best friend, who uh, we had, you know, been best friends since the time we were about 9 and 11. Uh, I'm two years older than him. Uh, he graduates high school and decides, hey, I'm going to go to UNLV. We should roommate. And, and that sounded real good to me, so we got an apartment. And it was there that, uh, that my life got changed thanks to uh, the Bobby. The, the, the Bobby sandwich. And so, you know, it's kind of how the story goes is, you know, as a, as a kid in college, you have a budget, you're eating, you know, I was eating mostly fast food um, and I'm a big sandwich person. And so I was eating at this place across the street from our, um, from our school and it was called Rebel Subs, which I think was previously a Mr. Goodson. And I was eating there just about every single day. And I was going about my way, having a good time. And, you know, one day I, I got disrupted thanks to my buddy Jason because I came home and he stopped me at the door and he looked at me and he said, hey, man, have you ever tried this place called Capriati's? And I said, no, I've never heard of it. And he kind of stuck his finger in my face and he, was, and he looked at me and he said, this is the greatest sandwich I've ever eaten in my life. You've got to go try it. It's, it's that good. And I said, wow, okay, great. I'll, I'll definitely do that. 
And so I thought nothing more of it. I, you know, went back to living my life. And uh, and the next day I came home after work, probably about six o'clock at night, and he stopped me at the door again and with this, you know, smile on his face saying, hey, did you go to Capriati's today? Did you try Capriati's? And I said, no. I, I went to work and school and, you know, I, I'll, I'll get there. And and by Friday of that week, which was probably another two days in, he stopped me in school and he says, listen, I've been eating this thing every day this week. I've eaten it literally four times this week. I've had the same sandwich. I'm done waiting for you. I'm taking you there. And so, you know, I thought, wow, he, he's really on a mission to get me to eat this sandwich. And so we, we, we went to Capriati's. It wasn't too far from school. And he says, uh, you need to order this thing called the Bobby. And the Bobby had uh, homemade turkey, uh, homemade stuffing, cranberry sauce, and mayonnaise. And when I looked up and saw mayonnaise and cranberry sauce in the same sandwich, I looked at him and said, are you crazy? I'm never going to eat that. It just does not appeal to me whatsoever. I don't like mayonnaise and I don't like cranberry. And so under protest, uh, and if you if you ever get to know Jason and my relationship, we've got a phenomenal relationship. But that's kind of how it goes sometimes. He he knows that he's got the good information, and I challenge it just because I just do. And so I went and I got a uh, I went and I got a cheesesteak. And you know he's kind of looking at me like I can't believe I've waited four days to bring you here, and you're not even going to try the sandwich I want you to try. And uh, and so I try this cheesesteak, and uh, and I eat a bite, and the bite. We had about a 30-minute debate on who, what really was the greatest sandwich because I had eaten this cheesesteak and thought, wow, this is the greatest sandwich I had ever eaten. And he's sitting there arguing his case against the Bobby, and I'm going, no, man, you got to try this cheesesteak. And uh, I think if you ask him now long-term, he'll tell you I won, that the cheesesteak is actually a, a, a slightly better sandwich than the Bobby. But nevertheless, it was a, it was a fun, healthy debate in the restaurant at the time. And, uh, you know, from that point forward, I had changed my buying behavior and now was going to Capriati's to eat my lunch. And I started to eat there very frequently, you know, um, you know, several times a week, probably two, three, four times a week. Um, and about three months into learning about it, we broke the lease in our apartment and we moved farther from school and actually moved closer to a Capriati's intentionally so that now if, you know, we had a couple of drinks at the house, we could walk the Capriati's and get my favorite sandwich. And so, you know, going through college, it really was just uh, an infatuation for the product and, and just a true love of, of the product. And the restaurants really weren't anything great. You know, they were a little thousand square foot to go sub shop <clears throat> that had, you know, white walls and, and white VCT flooring and this tall black counter and, you know, you got the guy behind the counter with a pencil in his ear and a pad of paper saying, hey, what can I get for you? And, you know, it's just one of those, you know, real kind of back east, small sub shop type feel. So so there really wasn't any ambiance. There really wasn't any of that stuff that was driving it. It really was just this food. And as I got to know the brand and I got to, you know, as I was eating there, I mean, they, they had me, essentially they had my order kind of pegged. You know, I'd walk in and here comes my sandwich flying across the counter after a while because I ate there so frequently i learned what made the food so good and and what made the food so good is you know this is this is really at the time and certainly i think it holds up today really the only brand out there or qsr brand out there that's roasting whole turkeys every night and roasting whole beefs every night 
and pulling those apart and putting it in your sandwich. And so, you know, the turkey is the turkey has one ingredient, turkey. It's mm-hmm. it's just real Thanksgiving turkey. And the beef is USDA choice top round beef. There's there's no fillers, there's no salt, there's no preservatives, there's no nothing. It's it's just real food. And and that's really, you know, what I think made it taste so good. And and so again, going you know, going through college, that's all it was. It was just a love and it was just a passion and I was just a raving fan. And and sure enough, when I graduated, I got my job at Wells Fargo and uh, wound up be, becoming a portfolio manager. And within two years of doing that, I was running a very large portfolio, I mean, probably around $100 million in a large cap value portfolio. So I, I, I had done very well and was, was uh, very good at asset gathering uh, from the onset, and, and I had built a very nice portfolio. And so now... I was in a position at 25 years old where I was making a lot of money. And, uh, you know, family was proud. Everyone was, was really happy with the situation. Um, and, you know, then I get this wild idea to talk to Jason and say, hey, listen, you know, we've, we've always wanted to be in business together. Why don't we diversify and, and buy something and or build something or, or invest into something? I've, I'm starting to make good money. Um, I can afford to finance it. Let's let's figure something out. And so we had a meeting. Uh, I think we went to the UNLV library and rented one of the one, one of the workrooms, and uh, we kind of showed up to this to this quasi business meeting. And and we were supposed to bring a bunch of ideas. And what we ultimately brought, we each brought one idea coincidentally, and both of us brought Capriati's as the idea. And so, you know, we, we knew we were aligned right then and there. And it was, it was a bit almost comical um, that we, you know, had just had gone out and just brought this one idea. It's like, man, we, we didn't have to drive here. We could have just done this on our couch, you know. <laughs> and, and <laughs> but, but nevertheless, we were aligned. And so that was, that was really cool. And so I thought, okay, well, then it's meant to be. Let's, we love the brand. We love the food. I'd be proud to, you know, sell it and, and you know, wear a shirt that said Capriati's. Let's, let's build one. Let's become a franchisee. And so we started down that path. And uh, we, what we found was the path was considerably harder than we had uh, initially thought. And, you know, after about six months of looking, we finally were able to get through the process uh, convinced the owners that there was more room left in Las Vegas to build Capriati stores, and we secured a location and a franchise. And uh, and it was under the uh, you know guidance from the franchisor that this is your one and done. You will never be able to build another Capriati's here in Las Vegas because at the time there was like 17 or 18 stores in Las Vegas, and they had determined that was full saturation. And so, um, again, you know, uh, Jason and I really were never small thinkers. And, and going into Capriati's, I don't think we ever intended on just being a single unit operator, having a sub shop for the heck of it. Uh, we really did it under, under the notion that we were going to grow a business and build a business. And so that news, uh, albeit wasn't the best news we heard, you know, we kind of heard that as, you know, well, that's just a challenge we're going to have to overcome. And so while we were building our first store, and that's a little bit of naivety too, which I'm glad this all happened when we were 23 and 25 because, you know, there's nothing better than having, you know, just sheer passion and, and you know, and, and a lot of naivety to, to kind of combine with it. But 
uh, you know, so we're building this first store, and the store next to us, the closest store in proximity, went up for sale. And so I went back to Jason. I said, look, if we're ever going to grow, this is the time. We've got to make this acquisition. And so we bought it. And and so we went from zero to two, basically, overnight. And, and So you, you, found, were, you bought a second store before you even opened your first one, didn't you? Yeah, correct. So so the store we were building, the store we were supposed to open, it opened after we had already closed on the first store. And so um and so yeah, so we we went we, we and, and they were like, you know, a couple of weeks between it. So again, we went from 0 to 2 real quick. And fortunately for us, uh my girlfriend at the time who today is is my wife and the mo- mother of my kids, so good news it worked out. But she she quit her job and said, "I'm, you know, if you guys think you're going to work at your job full time and you're going to run two sandwich shops passively, you're crazy and you're not going to be able to do it." And so she said, "You know, I'll, I'll save this whole relationship and I'll quit my job and I'll go run these things." And so she did. And and thank God for that because she's right. I mean, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into and you know, the business wasn't going to just run itself. And so she's running them, and what I'm finding is it took us about four to six months of running the shop to really kind of lay down and knock down how to make the model work and make the right money in the restaurant. And and through that time, you know, I was I, – Jason and I both were studying franchising. We were reading every book we could get our hands on at Barnes & Noble's. Um, you know, following, you know, as much publication as we can, just really immersing ourselves into the industry. And what we quickly realized was that the franchisor at the time was was very, 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 uh, you know, kind of mom and pop brand. It really wasn't any support. And, and there was no support for the franchisees. There was no technology. There was no marketing. You know, the training program was, here's a hat and an apron. Go work at our store until you feel like you've understood it. Uh, you know, there was really no franchise sales department. There was really no development department. Construction was a, a, a nice lady who taped two pieces of graph paper together because she couldn't figure out how to scale the, the restaurant to one and drew out where the equipment should be and basically handed it to us and said, good luck, go find a contractor and figure out how to do this. And and that was it. I mean, it really was just a very, very do-it-yourself franchise. And, and, you know, it still worked. And despite all of that, we opened our store and, and, it, and we were profitable. And so I found myself at Wells Fargo sitting there, you know, when I'm supposed to be studying stocks and bonds and, and making client recommendations, I found myself, you know, creating uh, labor matrices and building pricing uh, food cost modeling spreadsheets. And thinking about, you know, marketing initiatives and, and and trying to figure out how to, you know, generate data from the, the Casio cash register we had. And so I started to, to feel that the pendulum kind of shift over where my heart was starting to be into Capriati's and not so much into my job. And and that was, an you know, an interesting thing for me because, uh, you know, for the first time I had kind of started to think that maybe I didn't want to long-term be a portfolio manager. And so I went back to Jason and said, look, let's, let's build another one as quickly as we can. We had convinced the owners uh, that there was a spot near the two stores we had owned that would only jeopardize uh, cannibalizing our stores and no one else's. And so the owners let us do it, and so we built the third. And six months after we opened that, uh, it just became 
very clear to us that that my heart and soul was in Capriati's and it wasn't in Socks and Bombs. And, in fact, Jason uh, had quit his job at store number three, and he began running the third restaurant. And so he was actually overseeing the three restaurants and and day-to-day running one store. And he did that because the three stores, frankly, were making enough money where, you know, it was better for him to come over. And so, you know, we now had this three-store business and probably doing about a million eight and top-line sales between the three stores, maybe a million nine at the time. And we were making really good money, and uh, and we just loved it. And so at that point, you know, it became very clear to both of us that we needed to figure out how to make our life in this brand. And so initially we, we went out and we, you know, went back to the owners, and I said, look, we want to build, you know, 30 of these things. And we know we can't build them in Las Vegas, so pick an area, pick a territory, uh, and we were actually buying for Phoenix, and, and we would move, uh, you know, Jason, and, and he would move out there, and we would move some infrastructure out there, and I would stay at Wells Fargo or transfer out to Phoenix, and I would continue to finance the restaurants, and we'd build 30 of these things, and then ultimately I'd come over, and and the owners kept saying no, you know, no, we're not going to do that, uh, no, we're not going to, you know, so I went down to 20 and I went down to 10 and, and, you know, about six, seven months of getting no, 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 I kind of started to give up and I thought, hmm. well, it's not going to happen. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, in fairness to, to Lois, the founder, you know, she, there were only 35 stores in the system at the time. And so, you know, she's got these young kids who are on fire or asking her for all these things. Uh, and she thought, you know, I don't, I don't know that I want anyone to grow that big in this brand. And so, uh, you know, you fast forward, it's, it's 2007, probably about March of 2007, and I happen to be visiting my sister in California, and I'm sitting on her couch and I'm watching the World Poker Tour, and I watched a 22-year-old uh, young man win $2 million. And Mike Sexton got on as the announcer, and he says on TV, he says, well, there you have it, 22 years old, the new prime in poker, uh, $2 million. If you're 27, you're a dinosaur and you can't win this game anymore. <laughs> you're out of your prime. <laughs> and I nice. thought, holy crap. You know, I thought, holy crap. Mike Sexton just called me a dinosaur. I'm 27. And and I'm and he's called me out of my prime. And something just clicked. And, and I said, you know, he's right. He's 100% right. I'm going to wake up and be 37 and then wake up and be 47 and I'm going to look back, and, my, and I'm going to have this one looming regret. And that regret was, man, I can't believe I let, you know, the founder not, not you know, sell me a no. I can't believe I didn't get to live out what I truly knew was, my, was what I was supposed to do. I'm going to, and, stop and so you, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there and ask you to hold the thought for just a moment. And when we it. come back, when we come back from our half break, you're going to tell us what you did about that epiphany and that magic moment that hit you squarely between the eyes. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman, along with Paul Segreto, talking with Ashley Morris, CEO of Capriotti's, the Las Vegas-based sandwich chain, on the fast track to 500 locations by 2025. Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where they've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. 
The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach delivering more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as for their franchisees. The Foundry team is rich in practical, hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist you with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about Paul Segreto and the Franchise Foundry, along with their expanding list of clients, at www.franchisefoundry.com. Franchise Today also brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and prospective as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text messages. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades at no additional cost each year, no excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. So, Ashley, before I, before I ask you for what that magic bullet did to you, I've got to tell you that I'm, it strikes me that I now know of three sets of college roomies that became franchise partners, and not just franchise partners, but franchise partners in food. Do you know who the other two are? Um. <clears throat> Well, isn't Fred, didn't Fred DeLuca do this in college as well? I don't think he did it with a roomie, though. I think he did that with no, a doctor. Yeah, he didn't do it with a roommate. But, and, there may, and there may well be more than two, but I know of two personally. I partnered with two uh, that were Matt Friedman and Adam Scott, who were the founders of Wing Zone, and they started Wing Zone while they were still in school, and they, they birth, gave birth to the brand, so it's a little bit different than your story. And the other, ironically enough, also in the wing business. So two guys named Jim Disbro and Scott Lowry were partners, and they started when they were in college. And their little company is something that grew up to become Buffalo Wild Wings. So you've got a lot to look forward to and be inspired by. It seems to me that (laughs) franchise partners that start out as college roommates turn into good things. Wonderful. That's good news for me. I appreciate that. I'll take it. So tell us what happened. Yeah, so tell us so, what happened so, when you, you started know, feeling old. You got it. So so now I realize I'm quickly out of my prime. I'm decaying, and uh, and you know it just it just it just like you said it it hit me smack across the face and uh, and I thought you know Mike Sexton is a hundred percent right and if I don't if I don't make this happen I'm gonna look back and regret this will be my regret in life and so I I picked the phone up and I called the, the founder and I said. Uh, if you're not going to sell me, you know, the deal that I want, then take a meeting with me. I'm going to buy your whole company. 
and she kind of laughed, uh, you know, because, again, I'm 27 years old at the time, and, and Jason's 25, and, you know, it was kind of like, ha-ha, hee-hee, ha-ha, you, you can't do that, and it's not for sale, and, uh, you know, then, then the persistence kicked in. I sat down with her, and, and by the end of that meeting, we had come to terms on price, and, uh, and a month later, I had put the company into escrow. And uh, not knowing at all how I was going to get any of the capital, I went on the road and just yeah, put an investment group together and basically called every single human being I had on my phone and had met, and even a couple of clients at Wells Fargo. And, uh, and you know, we were able to put the deal together and, and close on it at the end of 2007. And so, you know, we kind of turned the corner on 2008, and we became the owner. And uh, and there we were, franchisor. Uh, so so that's, that's kind of how it went to get to that road. Um, and, of course, you kind of know what happens in 2008. So it was a great timing on our part to uh, buy a restaurant company. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get to that point, I want to mention a couple of things. I mean, um, you know, Tom Kaiser wrote a great article about you and Capriati's and Franchise Times, and we're looking forward to having Tom on the air. Uh, hopefully sometime in uh, July we're trying to figure out some scheduling. Um, you have a great article in, in Franchising World, and, and I bring this up because of, you know, millennials and the generation gap, and, of course, we've had a lot of great – um, guests that have been on the show from the Next Gen program uh, all the way up to Jennifer Cashel, who was the brainchild behind that program. And we're, we're, we're just seeing this, this big vibrancy of energy um, that, you know, comes from individuals like yourself um, being able to take on these tasks. And I think you might be the, the first one that I know of, um, and I'm trying to rack my brain as Stan was asking about, you know, college roommates partnering up. I don't know of any that have bought at such a young age uh, an established brand as uh, as you guys have. So I think you, you might you might take the cake, so to speak, on that. But before I go to my next question, I, I want to put something out here that um, and it, and it shows about the millennials because I've been posting while you were talking on Instagram. Uh, the Bobby sandwich, and that we're talking about it here on on Franchise Today. And, of course, we know Instagram is, is rife with um, millennials. And we're getting, you know, one like after another uh, coming down the pike, and we're also seeing that now as well as Twitter. So hopefully Franchise Today will help move the needle, even a percentage point today, across the board for Capriati's. Uh, I, I think it would be great. So – Looking at this, and, and, I, and I do want to shout out to your partner, you know, Jason. Jason, if you're listening, our call-in number is 929-477-1316. I'm going to look for you on my dashboard. If you call in, I'm going to give you a line because we want to bring you into this uh, conversation as well, not to uh, take away any of the thunder from uh, Ashley, but uh, knowing the story now, uh, I wish we had brought you on the air as well. So anyway, 929-477-1316. I'm going to look for your uh, phone number here in the next uh, 20, 20 minutes or so. So I would like to ask you a question now, uh, Ashley. You get to the point, you buy the brand. You know, what do you do next? 
I mean, you're 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 sitting here. You're you got a brand that's franchise. You got a brand with you know multiple location. You got franchisees. You got to get to know. You still probably have some ideas on on how to take the brand to a new level from a consumer standpoint. What were the next steps after um, you 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 signed on the dotted line? Sure. So you know we we did a we did a couple of things. So the first thing that happened is again. You know, we bought a company that, that really had almost no infrastructure. And so there wasn't even a corporate office in Las Vegas. And, and there were only three employees of the brand that we had uh, when we bought that, that stayed because the rest of them were part of the ownership group and they had, they had quickly left. And so the first thing we did, again, we closed January 1st. Uh, we had all these ideas. I had written, you know, this kind of 18-month operational plan and, and kind of laid out a plan of attack on what we were going to do. Um, and the first thing we did was we joined the IFA. And and joining the IFA, the brand had never been part of the IFA before. And so we joined the IFA, and the first week of February, we flew to Orlando to go to the conference. And we thought this conference you know, we had we, we really didn't know exactly what we were going to see, but we had hoped that it was going to kind of jumpstart our network uh, and and jumpstart our knowledge of you know what's available out there from from you know industry and as well as you know kind of uh, vendors and things that that could help us. And so uh, within a month of owning the company, we go to Orlando, we spend a week uh, in Orlando, and we we immerse ourselves into the IFA. And when we get back from that conference, what we quickly realized was, number one, again, we were significantly undercapitalized, um, and the 500 extra thousand in, in operating capital we had raised was not nearly enough. And number two, I took my 18-month operational plan, ripped it up, and threw it in the trash and started over. And so uh, we, we, we quickly went back out on the money-raising trail, and we raised a couple extra million dollars because what we had decided over that trip was that we were going to we were going to first before trying to grow the company we needed to build an awesome infrastructure we needed to get all of our ducks in a row we really needed to build an infrastructure that was capable of supporting you know 200 restaurants uh and then build the restaurants on top and what we never wanted to do was get to a point where we were behind the growth um in terms of our infrastructure because we had thought that would probably be a recipe for disaster long term and, and it would prohibit us from getting to 500 which was always our vision and so we we raised some additional capital and then we started to build the infrastructure and we did so under the under the, the premise that exactly the quote you kind of gave is that you know we we established our vision we established our mission we established our values and we established what we call the capriati's definition and and essentially, you know, the gist of all of it was our success will be entirely dependent upon our franchisee success. And so we went out to build this infrastructure capable of supporting a multi-unit operator system um, that we were very heavy on support and that we would, we would be there to make sure that our franchisees had the highest likelihood of success. And so we started the first five years, we started to, to focus purely on that and really didn't intentionally focus on development. And so just building the systems and putting the technology in place and, and, and you know, everything you would expect, uh, all facets of the franchise business, we started to build. And we did it with great people. 
You know, we we knew having great people was going to be the, 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 the crux of success. And so we went out and hired people who were industry veterans. You know, we were looking for people with 10, 15, 20 years of franchise experience um, in their discipline. And so, you know, hiring people in operations, people in marketing, people in technology, uh, people in construction, people in real estate. I mean, we really just, you know, we went through and, and, and built the, in supply chain. And we just went through and we started to to create a, a fully supporting, functioning support center for the 40 well, franchises that we had. With guys, with guys like Bruce Evans and, and David Bloom, stoking the coals and stepping on the gas, that infrastructure and investment in human resources was essential, wasn't it? Because these guys can get you to that number, but then getting them open and supporting them is the real magic. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, those were those were later additions to the team. Again, you know, after the five years, uh, well, I mean, thanks to the Great Recession, it kind of helped as well because there weren't people lining up trying to open these things um, at that time. But, you know, we really, we really focused on development last. And so after we got all the rest of the pieces, we went back out and we raised a bunch more capital uh, with some of your friends and, uh, you know, David Barr and Shelley's son, J.D.'s son. Uh, we found them, and and that was a wonderful blessing for us. Uh, and that capital was really brought in to now to now focus on development. And and so what happened was I can give you a quick story. So I, I realized after year five that we were we had built this infrastructure. Now we really wanted to focus on growth and development. And so in order to do that, we needed substantial more capital than what the company was cash flowing. Uh, and so I went back out and I went through the, the private equity world and, and I wound up getting very, very far with like three or four different private equity groups. So I ran a process uh, to raise capital. And when I got to the finish line, what I had kind of found was um, while on the surface the private equity guys felt good, it, it didn't ever seem to me, uh, my experience, that, that our values were truly aligned, you know, and, and that – and that really what I wanted to have happen with the brand was slightly different, I think, than what they wanted. And, and you know, their time frames and time horizons were a little quicker than what, uh, you know, I was kind of projecting. And so, you know, I never got to the finish line with any of them uh, for whatever reason. And, and then uh, David Barr uh, came into my life and we started talking and we hit it off. And, and that's really what I was looking for was a strategic partner and somebody who shared my values and saw my vision and agreed with my vision and could be there as a mentor and could be there as advisors and could sit on a board and could really help, you know, add a lot of value to to the executive team that we had. And so when we found that, it just, you know, just made total sense for us to uh, to partner up. And so we did. And so that tranche of capital set us up to go out and, and you know, hire the David Bloom and, and invest in the development and, and really, like you say, put the pedal to the metal with respect to franchise development and, and store growth. And that's kind of where we are. You know, we're 18 months into that now, and, and, you know, that's where we are. So with the time that's left to us, let's let's focus the spotlight on the franchise opportunity in your business. And after being a victim of so many no's from Azor that didn't want to give you what you were looking for, what are potential franchisees asking for from you, and how does your business model today accommodate those requests and, and those desires? 
Sure. So the one, you know, the one thing that I think is is a big advantage with Capriati's is that, you know, even when we bought it, it started in Delaware. So it had a presence in the Mid-Atlantic, and then it came all the way across the country to the West Coast and built a presence on the West Coast. And so from a distribution standpoint, um, you know, the founder had figured out the hard part, which was how to get products across the country uh, that are consistent. And and because of that, you know, our supply chain is really open to, to the majority of the 48 states, the contiguous 48 states. Uh, we really can, can get our product at the right price delivered to almost every state. And so that's a huge advantage, I think, with terms of growth. And so what we were able to do is we were kind of able to open up the country versus grow concentrically because it had already been proven on both sides of the country. And so, you know, what we're looking for primarily is we're looking for people who have demonstrated some success in in their past, whether being in the restaurant space or being in the franchising space, which is always a plus, or just being in the business that they were in. You know, whatever it was, we're looking for successful people. Um, You know, secondly, we're looking for passionate people, people who, uh, you know, 100% of our franchisees started as raving fans of the food. And so, again, you know, you've got to love the product that you're selling. Uh, The the opportunity is secondary to the product, in my opinion. So if you came in and kind of said, hey, you know, I heard about this place, and, you know, I, I just want to make money and I'll just run anything. You're, you're probably the wrong candidate for Capriati's. But if you come in and you say, hey, you know, I love this product, I'm passionate about this product, and I'm going to be a great operator, then we've got something to talk about. So for us, passion is very important, and love of that product is important because that's what's put us on the map, and that's what will keep us on the map, you know, is, is the commitment to the quality of the product. Um, and, and obviously, last but not least, you know, you need to have the financial wherewithal to do the deal. Um, but we do uh, we do have single unit development as well as multi unit. So you can come in and build one restaurant, or you can buy a package of up to ten restaurants. It really just depends on your capabilities, uh, your appetite, and and you know the the geographic area in which you uh, intend to op- operate and build. So Ashley, before we run out of time, and this has been great, you shared some fantastic information. I've noticed some people from Capriati's chiming in online. David Bloom uh, just commented on Stan's page, great interview. Um, so we're going to help get the word out there by Cap- about Capriati's. But we need one here down in Houston, Texas. Stan needs one in Buckhead. So for the people out there that are interested in opening in those areas as well as other areas, how could they best find you? Uh, and what are the upcoming events uh, where Capriati's will be represented. Sure. So, obviously, the, the, the best and quickest way is to visit our website. Uh, we have a franchising piece on the website that, that discusses all the, you know, the small details, and, and it begins the process or the journey to, uh, to becoming a franchisee. Um, so that would be the first place I would go. Uh, alternatively, you know, you can Google Capriati's and, and get some great data there and, and read some articles. Um, and we do exhibit. I think the next uh, exhibit that we will be at, I believe, may be Restaurant Finance. Um, but, but typically we do, this, we do the, uh, the, um, the shows in Las Vegas because we're headquartered in Las Vegas, and we, we really only do shows that we can bring the food to. So where we can showcase the food, that's for us again. That's the franchise. So so that's what we that's what we always try to do. So if you're in Vegas, um, you know that's a great place to start. 
If not, I mean, we operate in 15 states. So if you're in one of the states where we do have stores, uh, you know, feel free to go visit one and, and eat the food. And, and, you know, if you fall in love with the product as we fell in love with the product, uh, reach out to us online and, uh, and you know, go through the process. Well, we thank you for being our guest today. Um, Ashley, it was really uh, great. We'd like to get uh, Jason on here in the, uh, in the future. Obviously, he wasn't listening or um, um, was busy doing something else, uh, and he did not call in. Um, which is fine. We didn't have him prepared to do so. We're just trying to take advantage of an opportunity. Uh, but great and continued, uh, continued great luck. And uh, I, I think you guys got it uh, down pat. Thank you very much. And I, I certainly appreciate you having me on. And uh, I wish you guys both the best. And I'm sure I'll see you at uh, some upcoming convention. And, and uh, thanks again. I really appreciate we'll it. See you on, we'll, we'll see you on the franchise there. trail, Ashley. All right. Take care, guys. Well, Stan, that was uh, uh, interesting. I mean, wow, 27 years old, buying a, uh, a franchise company to think, you know, somebody at 27 would be considered uh, out of their prime kind of makes me really feel like a, yeah, like a no, dinosaur. Yeah, no pity parties for that statement. I guarantee it, but the rest yeah. of it. <laughs> the rest of the story was most inspiring, Paul. I mean, literally, we week after week continue to see the same threads of common denominators in in visionaries that lead companies and take them to new heights. And you know, second to money, it always takes passion, and there certainly is no shortage of that coming from Ashley. Yeah, well, you know, a couple of weeks we'll be in New York at the IFE, and we'll take our normal jaunt down to Katz's Delicatessen uh, in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. But looking at Capriati's website, they have a cat pastrami. It's a hot pastrami sandwich with Swiss cheese, Russian dressing, and coleslaw. We're going to have to try that maybe the next time I'm out in Vegas or when I run by a a Capriati sandwich shop. It sounds good. Um, (laughs) I just can't wait. Yeah, you're the you know you're always the sucker for pastrami, Paul. I'm the I'm the old corned beef fun rye guy. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Anyway, um, so uh, next week um, we were we're still having some uh, scheduling. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to. You know, I've so. got a I've got a commitment from somebody to uh, to be on a future episode, who I'm going to see if we can get him to to uh, move into next week's open position and a great guy named Alan Boomer, who I've worked with for years on the pro athlete franchise initiative. Alan is an investor. He's a financial advisor to a great many athletes who has so gotten into the franchise world that he, um, a few years ago, he attended one of our PAFI summits and was attending just to learn more about franchising. And he wound up now and not only, advising athletes but actually partnering with them and they've got a great number of retro fitness and uh and their latest investments into zips dry cleaning and so alan is a full-fledged franchisee now and i hope to have him with us if not next week in the coming weeks but we're going to try to get him on with us next week if we can yeah absolutely and in the coming weeks uh we'll have we've had confirmations to be on just not confirmation for exact date Tom Kaiser, assistant uh, editor over at Franchise Times, who I mentioned. Uh, Marianne O'Connell, who confirmed with you yesterday on the, for the 12th of July. Uh, Gigi Butler of Gigi's Cupcakes will be our guest 
on June 21st as we come out of IFE. And then also we have confirmation to be on Lane Fisher and Brad Fishman to talk about uh, the upcoming Springboard Emerging Brands Conference in Philly. Uh, Mark and Mary Kay Liston from the Dwyer Group. Also want to shout out to uh, Dina Dwyer Owens for being a fantastic guest as always on the show last week. Um, Shane Evans uh, has confirmed that she'd like to be on Rocco Fiorentino, our friend from Benetrends, and of course Michael Side and Joyce Mazzaro on their new book, uh, their new Dummies book on franchise management. So it looks like we're going to have a, a busy summer, but of course as summer uh, always creates some challenges with respect to um, scheduling because of vacations and time off, and especially July when franchising kind of just calms down a little bit, no real big event uh, in July. <laughs> so <laughs> I know myself, I'm looking at the calendar trying to figure out, okay, where am I going to be doing, you know, franchise today from? Uh, I know one will be in Breckenridge, Colorado in uh, uh, the latter part of June. I think when um, when Gigi is on, Gigi Butler will be on, I'll be reporting live from Breckenridge, Colorado, because I'll be speaking at the Book by Owner franchise conference and then uh, probably in uh, July I'll be reporting live from St. Augustine uh, working with a franchisor down there as well so uh, I'm sure you've got as busy a schedule if not busier Stan because your position requires you to be on the road a lot more than mine does. Well it's all good and you know as Ashley and everyone else that that achieve success at what they do. I've got passion for my business too, Paul, wherever it takes me. So I'm always glad to be going wherever there is. Absolutely. Until next week, my name is Paul Segreto, wishing you the best, the very best, in this great, great thing called franchising. And Franchise Today is out. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man. Paul Segreto, Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising today. Sustainable growth. The sensible franchising. Franchise today. Sustainable growth. The sensible franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today.